Hi, hope you're all well. I'm Viv and I'm the face behind Skin Farmer Aesthetics in Stockton on Tees. Tonight, uh, Sonny and I um, are continuing our journey using ultrasound in our aesthetics work. And we're going to just review some of the lives we've gone through recently. Hi, Sonny. Hope you're well. And we'll add Sonny on. Um, we've got guests coming up over the next few weeks, so we'll talk about that shortly. I'll just add Sonny. Um, we've been doing lives now for about six months. It's, uh, it's gone quickly, and it's interesting to see who we're going to talk to next. Hi, Sonny. Hey, How are you? Fine, thanks. Doing all right. Have you had a good day today? Uh, it's been busy. It's been busy. It's been a good day, obviously. Uh, different types of treatments, um, fillers, um, medical facials, uh, using our kind of stacks technique, um, cryotherapy. Right. Um, and even got to pop out for lunch for a coffee. How about you? <laughs> yes, yeah, busy. Um, I was working this morning. I had a bit of time later on this afternoon to sort paperwork and bits and pieces out. Um, but it was just today. I thought it'd be interesting for us just to look back and see what we've been doing over the last few months and review some of the um, lives we've done with lots of different specialists around the world. And it was just, um, it was just looking back over the last two months or so, we've talked to quite a lot of practitioners from all over the place. Um, was there any that, that gave you a lot of inspiration about your own work, do you think? Um, I think all of them gave inspiration. I mean, they're all very much specialists in their field. It was um, it was nice to that they felt that they, um, well, they felt, uh, they felt gratitude for joining us on, on these lives. Yeah. Um, I mean, if we think of, for example, with Mariam, um, obviously from Morocco, and how she was using ultrasound for actually, you know, not even injectable related, but um, visualizing and defining skin lesions, especially skin cancers. I mean, that that was particularly um, yeah. insightful, I would say, yeah. uh, even I suppose groundbreaking. Because I've never, I, I never considered using ultrasound to diagnose yeah. skin lesions. It's always a dermatoscopy um, yeah. approach. Um, yeah. I mean, Martina, um, uh, Australia's, I mean, I've been watching, following her on her Instagram and she's, you know, using different ultrasound in different ways. Obviously, yeah. Leone has to be mentioned. <laughs> uh, Dr. Jose is just doing just as well. So Dr. Jose yeah. from uh, Tenerife, wasn't it? I think Gran Canaria um, is basically Canaria, Canaria Islands. My yeah. bad. I'm thinking, yeah, Gran Canaria. Sorry, Dr. Jose. Jose. Um, yeah, so I think the overarching insight is that one, that people that have joined us are very passionate about using ultrasound, um, yeah. whether at the beginning of their journey, like Lynette, uh, like us, or whether they're well established in their field and they're using this as an additional tool. Um, it was really insightful. Uh, so, how, how about you though? What, who, who, who sticks in your mind, and who, who did you? Just, just like yourself, all fantastic people. All have got their own specialities, and they've got such a wealth of knowledge that they're quite happy to share with everyone. It's, it's really fantastic to be able to speak to them. Um, I, I enjoyed speaking to all of them. To be quite frank with you, I think they've all got their own special specialties. Um, Lynette, Lynette sticks in my mind because of the 
the the psychological issues involved with work and the fact that she never gives up in doing what she wants to do and that that goes with anything in life i think if you really want to do something and you've got the determination nothing can stop you and she stuck in my mind and still does purely because of that aspect i think um it'd be nice to meet up with her maybe in northern ireland or if she ever pops over to the uk to, to england it'd be nice to see her over here um but Again, um, Mary, uh, Martina, great person in Australia, really nice thing to her. Uh, Marion, professor of uh, radiology, you couldn't ask for a, a more proficient person to speak to about the whole subject. Have you done um, a, you've done quite a few augmented scans for different people. Yeah. What, what is it in your mind? What, which scan has stuck in your mind in terms of the, either the series of scans? Which one of you, okay, so the first question is, which one of you yeah. found really useful in augmenting which yeah. which which kind of case or clinical case would you say has been really useful in augmenting for my own work based on the work i do um i've been using ultrasound guidance for masseter injection so using toxin to help relax the master muscles at the back of the jaw um with scans um carried no, out no, by with your, with your, no no with your ai like the ai thing that you do oh yes well when no, i, AI, when really, I hasn't been ai yet sorry <laughs> No, what I mean is when you when you colour when you when you oh yes yeah, yeah so yeah. which which scan have you found has been the most interesting to do that with? Uh, to be honest, all the ultrasound AI work that I've done on the scans have all been interesting. To be honest, and I learned such a lot about anatomy and about detecting tissue when you look at a scan. You, can, you have to try and figure out what you're looking at in the different tissue layers. Um, all of Leone's scans have to be mentioned. <laughs> no, no, pick <laughs> one, pick one. No, no, pick one. You got it. You, one watching. One was... people, are, people are joined us, whether they are uh, practitioners or whether actually patients. Um, pick, was... pick one scan and describe how, why it was so useful, what you yeah. found interesting about it, and what you did to enhance it. With one of Leone's scans, she carried out an ultrasound scan of the area uh, below the eye. So a medial scan, looking at the area around the angular artery and around the tear trough area. And she had a patient come to her complications clinic um, in Rotterdam who had an issue with um, an area of tint. There was a tint to the skin. There was some inflammation. There were some problems I think the patient had. The practitioner that she had the treatment with wasn't able to solve it. So the patient came to her, um, she did a scan, and what she found was um, there was the um, there was a vessel, there was a vein that was actually being pushed upwards by filler below it, and that was actually creating what looked like a Tyndall effect, but it was actually the vein itself that was pushed higher below its natural position by filler. So um, the CGI work involved detecting the tissues within the scan and um, dynamically you were able to see the movement of the filler being dissolved. She actually carried out a guided ultrasound scan as she dissolved the filler and you could see how the area dropped back down to normal following the uh, dissolution. So for me that was really an amazing uh, piece of work to try and augment. Um, it's not every day you see some problem like that. And it would right. be very difficult for, I think, somebody starting up, de deciphering exactly what they're looking at, you know, when they see a scan. Even, you need a lot of, of experience to be able to identify an issue to begin with. Because obviously, Viv, you're, you're not a sonographer. You haven't, you know, you're, a, you're, a, you're an experienced pharmacist, prescribing pharmacist. Yeah. But 
how like what how did you approach identifying those different layers like how do you when you look at a scan because you're not a sonographer so you're looking yeah. at from first principles basic principles first sight yeah. how did you get into then color coding those areas how did you what did you do to then get knowledge of that it basically relies on your normal knowledge of anatomy but the problem is it's trying to um uh, trying to link that to a, a great image it's it's very difficult so you're trying to work out the basics. Where's the bone? Where's the muscle? Where's the skin? If you can work out the basics, you go from there. So a lot of the CGI work that I was doing was trying to decipher what I was seeing in, base, in, in terms of basic anatomy. If I could work out the basics, I was more able to look at the more intricate areas that needed to be identified. Leone helped me a lot trying to work out what I was seeing. So did Carolina, radiologist over in Argentina. She was fantastic. But it took a lot of experience looking at scans again and again and again to figure out what you were looking at. And the problem is even radiologists, even people like Carolina and Rosa, Rosa Segrist, they, they don't just automatically understand exactly what they're seeing. They have to take some time and try and figure out what they're looking at. But with more experience, um, your proficiency increases. And with more and more of these scans that I've looked at, it's become easier and easier for me to figure out what I'm seeing. And because of that, I can augment it a lot more easily now than when I first started. But it's so how purely... Many, how, many scans, how many scans did you think you had to look at? And obviously you got help from... Um, people like Leone and Rosa um, to to look at to obviously help identify what you were looking at. But how many scans would you say that you looked at before you really got to grips with? Right, I, I, obviously bone is bone. It's quite obvious yeah. on ultrasound. Muscle. Yeah. I mean, I, I've looked at a lot of scans now, so I can identify muscle versus yeah. pockets of filler. But yeah. yeah, how many scans did you look at before you sort of really got a grip of it? I would. <laughs> dozens dozens of, of scans um i do a lot of work with lips so i tend to be more proficient in areas where i work in you know areas like the lip area so that's not too much of an issue um areas like the temples a lot more intricate tissue layering in in the area like the temples so it takes a lot more work to try and figure out what you're looking at you know the different planes involved where filler could be you're looking yeah. at a lot more structural tissue so it takes longer to try and decipher what you're looking at um but i would say it would take probably for me to work out on the cgi i would i would have had to go through a couple of dozen of scans before i was more confident in be, being able to identify the tissue more accurately even then i still asked for a little bit of help and guidance from the likes of leone and carolina because i'm never 100 percent sure so it, there's always somebody that knows enough about the subject to be able to give you a little of help, and that's what I relied on. Yeah, Dr. Jose, uh, Jose is just saying it's just anatomy, but in grey scale. Yeah, it's like it's like doing a jigsaw puzzle, isn't it? But all the pieces are grey. <laughs> once you get used, once you get used to it, I think your eyes get accustomed to different tissue, um, different shades of grey, different movement of, of grey lines. When you see it again and again, I think you get more proficient in being able to identify what you're looking at. Do you think, though, that because we had this discussion before you got the ultrasound, because uh, yeah. I bought mine first and then you got yours, 
Um, not that it makes me any more proficient in it, but <laughs> you, you had actually, I think we'd had this discussion where you said, I'm going to do a course first, yeah, but in yeah. hindsight, um, do you think, I think from my personal point of view, that if, if someone presented me with loads of scans to look at, I wouldn't make that kind of um, connection with the anatomy, but because no. of that neural, that neural programming, like basically I'm holding an ultrasound, I'm looking at stuff, I can see it. Do you yeah. think that is the definitive in terms of helping to learn that you've got to actually physically put the ultrasound on? Um, you, do. You, you do, because until you actually physically use it and you can see what, how the image changes on the screen, it doesn't mean anything to you. You're just looking at dots, you're just looking at shades of grey. And to be honest, if you don't know where the scanner is in your hand, you don't know what you're looking at to begin with. So it really needs practice and it just needs a lot of, of regular scanning before you, think, you get more accustomed to it. Is that is that going to be the name of our new course, Fifty Shades of Grey? Fifty yeah, well, I can't think of a better <laughs> no, name for it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into trouble. I think that's copyrighted. No, 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 we can't, we can't. That's a joke, that's a joke. 50, we'll have to, yeah, 60, 60 shades of grey, maybe. 60 shades of grey, that's, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. more resolution, I suppose. It's high resolution. Well, that'll be the um, sequel, wouldn't it? More, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been interesting. I think it's, um, myself and Leonia, we've been talking about um, what things could progress in, in the whole world of using facial ultrasound. And Clarius, um, I've been speaking to Clarius a little bit about what, their plans are for the software and how we could be improved so hopefully we'll be able to speak to them myself and leon will hopefully speak to clarius about their plans for utilizing artificial intelligence in uh, ultrasound scanning so may they may well look at the options or the possibilities of using something like color coding uh, color uh, overlaying on their scans to make visualization easier and Leone's got a whole load of ideas about how things could be improved. So we'll hopefully speak to them soon about that. I think I think the issue the issue is I mean we're, we're digressing slightly, and it, I'm just being a little bit controversial. I'm gonna pick a fight with you basically because I know. Yeah. But um, basically, I think what the problem is for for software basically because obviously Claret is software, isn't it? The, the, yeah. the ultrasound is the ultrasound. It's the software, and it's the it's the diagnosis. I think what you what you have to be really 100% certain on is when you color code it and CGI augment it, you as a practitioner are making that decision. But yeah. how accurate would a you know how accurate would AI have to be? Because in real time scanning, for you yeah. for the AI to incorporate color augmentation to help the practitioner, yeah. basically the AI is then making the diagnosis essentially. Yeah, which yeah. I think if in, when you do it in retrospect, it's you doing it, and obviously that comes with all the Viv experience and passion. Whereas with the AI, I mean, I think they're so far off it, Viv. I don't think if Clarice, yeah. if, if Clarice are watching, you know, they need to they need to speak to practitioners like you, who are manually doing it, and they need to they need. I mean, if they can't, if they need to speak to people like you in terms of getting those scans in and whatever algorithm the AI would eventually be based on, it has to be built on yeah. hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of scans. I think for it to be approved to, I mean, what kind of specificity would you have to, and sensitivity would you be looking at? That's really, really tight. 
it's difficult because everyone's different in how they carry out the scan. Exactly. So exactly. the software needs to compensate for differences in how one person scans compared to another one. So some of the work may involve actually helping the practitioner to um, orientate themselves more effectively, you, you know, to get the scanner in the right position for the software to be able to work. So some of the actual AI isn't just related to the actual image augment augmentation, it's related to the actual use of the scanner. So and this, this is... Look, listen, you just nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. So, you know, everyone who's offering a course at the moment, there needs to be, and I, and I know that it, Leone and I think the other course that you went on and, you know, it's that standardization of gripping and placing the ultrasound because like anything in aesthetics, unfortunately, it is practitioner dependent. So you're exactly right. The courses that are now going out, first principles, they really have to focus on just literally how do you hold the yeah. um, hold the scanner? Because otherwise, just like you said, the, the image that you're viewing will change by yeah. millimeters and then will go on. But based on based on artificial intelligence with a, a system that may be trained, we're getting a lot of hearts from somebody. Somebody's liking what we're saying. <laughs> but um, based on the artificial intelligence um, technology, one of the things that I think will be developed is a method of assessing how the scanner is being used. So the software will 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 want to see a particular type of scan it will expect certain tissue to be there when it's doing when you're doing a scan on, on an area and if you're not holding the scanner and and creating an image based on what it's expecting then what the software is likely to do is make you change the way you're orientating the scanner so it produces a control image which it recognizes and that's that alone is difficult to do so, but that but that is the first step that Clarius or Philips or whoever it is is building these scanners. Yeah. You know, for for re for actually, what we're asking for then is that they need to build a training software where yeah. you can. They've got a bank of images. Let's say, for example, temples, yeah, um, or yeah. masseters, and then they they need to produce. They need to have a bank of images that you then put your ultrasound scan, um, scanner yeah. onto a masseter or temples. And then it yeah. basically, until you get it right, you don't yeah. get a green tick on your scan. And, and, that's, exactly. and, that, and, that, and that's what, and that's what, that's what a, I mean, you could literally do that virtually. So you could yeah. have Clarius or Philips, whoever, anyone watching right now, you know, whoever you are as an ultrasound manufacturer, if you have a bank of scans that are perfect, you then need to help us as individuals who are training to then be able to like, how can we match that? And once, and, and that's a simple AI algorithm because literally all that algorithm yeah. is saying, this scan now matches it. And then for us as human practitioners, we will yeah. then literally lock that into our brains and say, okay, yeah. I've done this so many times now. This is the perfect yeah. temporal image. This is the perfect um, image of the SMAS. This is the perfect image. Yeah. And you know, that's what the initial training needs to be from these manufacturers yeah. rather than just having someone demonstrate it because yeah. you know it's like that old school kung fu kind of image you know with the master <laughs> going along and smacking you on the hand until you get it yeah. right um jose's just saying even basic things like the amount of gel yeah literally literally yeah. the first step of that the first step of that training scan yeah. would be have you got the right 
amount of gel. And that, that is where the likes of artificial intelligence could be used to improve um, the practicalities, the actual physical movements that a person has to carry out to get the scan recorded properly. Because until you can do that, you're augmenting rubbish. And I, I, I augment Leone's work because it's fantastic to see. You can see the tissue. She knows what she's doing. But it's people like Leone, people like Rosa, Marti, um, um, Carolina. It's, it's specialists who know what they're doing and know what should appear in the scan. They're the people that should be helping or that could be helping the likes of Clarius Phillips, GE, to, to I, but I, I think I think they system. would gladly I, I think they would gladly assist those manufacturers yeah. for free if, if required. But I think the manufacturers need to basically step up from just basically yeah. flogging hardware yeah. and start yeah. engaging properly with they with do. practitioners. They there's so much that could be done to improve the way we work with technology. And when I was at university, I did postgraduate in looking at how clinicians use artificial use technology in their work. And majority, over 90, 95%, weren't trained in using system software for their work. They were just guessing and relying on other people to help them. And if this happens in aesthetics with the likes of ultrasound, it's just not going to make things better. People aren't going to improve and they're not going to get scans that are going to be able, that are easy to read for themselves or for anybody else. So I, I foresee artificial intelligence initially helping practitioners to scan more effectively. That's, that's the basics. I, I, think, I think you nailed it. So, I mean, basically, if they had an algorithm where as soon as you hit the right scan image, it yeah. locks it in for you. Because yeah, at the moment, yeah. you know, it, it's the same with aesthetics. You know, we inject, you know, we get taught on the nasal labial folds and we find out yeah. that actually that's probably the most yeah. dangerous place to inject anyway. But, you know, yeah. it's over time that we build up that skill and technique. But imagine if the needle could actually glow, yeah. glow green when you're actually in the right place. Oh, yeah. Well, but, the thing is, the, the thing is, um, in devices, you know, like your mobile phone, you've got potentiometers in there so they can work out the angle that the phone is held in. So when you when you walk around, when you do exercise, the phone can tell what angle the, it's tilting in and yes. the speed at which the tilt occurs tells it how many steps you've taken. Now, the same technology could quite easily be um, used in the likes of ultrasound scanners. If you had um, rapid acting potentiometers in a scanner, it would know the angle that the device is being held in. That can be recorded electronically. Even a, even a, even a pressure monitor at the, yeah. in the casing around the ultrasound crystal itself, the probe, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, the whole thing comes into contact. If you had yeah. a not um, so a, not a tin panel monitor, but uh, yeah, a pressure gauge. Yeah. You know yeah. that that there is enough. I mean, if 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 an iPhone can have yeah. that level of technology in it, yeah. Why are the manufacturers not building that into the hand, they, handset? The problem is manufacturers, the programmers who program systems. I know because I've programmed previously those programmers don't actually use the devices themselves. And the problem with that is it doesn't let them improve the system sufficiently based on what it's being used for. If the programmers had some experience of doing aesthetic treatments and carrying out scans, they would be far more progressive in improving their software. But unfortunately, that just isn't the case. I mean, 
it, it, I don't think it would take much for an engineer to be presented with a problem where you said, look, here is your ultrasound probe. We need a potentiometer, like you said, so that the, the speed and the acceleration of which way the, which way the yeah. probe is being moved can be measured in software. And then also um, pressure monitor within the casing of the, the, the yeah. probe itself. And yeah. it wouldn't take much for it to, you know, ping when you're in the yeah. right place. So, yeah. and, and also, is, and also, you know, why isn't it that when we're vascular mapping, yeah, you know, sometimes that, you know, it, it's fleeting when you see that superficial it temporal is. artery, yeah. and you obviously want to know roughly where it is. Again, but, what, how yeah. hard would it be for the software to ping back to you? You found something of significance, yeah. and if if the uh, if a system could be developed to actually map accurately the face, so say you have to find some particular um, points that, um, that are related to an area of anatomy. If those points could be detected by the scanner, it can, orient it, it can create an orientation point that's a standard control point, so it knows exactly where it is. If it knows where that, those points are, are, multiple points across the face, as you move the scanner, it could actually create a map of the face quite Quite, quite quickly, and it would plan, it create a plan of tissue for you based on what it's picking up. Um, I was talking to Stuart last week, Stuart Taylor from uh, Vino, and their so, system... For anyone watching, um, Vino is... Vino is the, um, the ultrasound scanner, it's a, a company, and they create scanners, and Stuart Turner, um, he's a, an importer and distributor of those devices, and... They, their software allows um, 3D, 3D imaging um, based on 2D uh, progressive scanning. So it'll work out, it will join the 2D scans together to form a 3D image. Um, so that's one method that's used to create a plan. But if, soft, if software developers could actually put their brains together, they could create a system that would map a facial area as you were scanning and it would if it was done properly it would make sure that your orientation was accurate for it to be producing an image accurately it needs control mechanisms it so needs guess to this, imagine this okay so let's say this is what you know imagine because we're all about regulating we're not regulating we're all about making it's safer for patients so imagine you know you find an aesthetic practitioner we've got a few um who are watching us now you know you've got your first a new patient coming in guess what as part of your consultation which they pay for obviously because there's a fee involved you're able to do um 2d to 3d mapping and let's say they're interested in dermal fillers you as a practitioner know whereabouts you place that filler well guess yeah. what from that 2d to 3d mapping you run it through the software system. The system then actually identifies the, lev the amount of filler yeah. that is actually probably required from experience, yeah. from the tissue density, how much yeah. roughly would be required. So you're going beyond that whole M um, you know, MD codes where, yeah. so if anyone watching, there's a, a lot of us learn when we first start off, MD, MD codes are codes where you should place and how much. But imagine if, that, if, that, if those codes were then mapped to 3D yeah. mapping, you'd be able yeah. to produce a report for the patient. Not only do they like, yeah. actually, now I understand that I need this amount yeah. of dermal filler, which is yeah. not just based on finger yeah. in the wind, but it's actually yeah. also going to help every single practitioner to go, right, I don't need to, you know, I can, I can budget fairly for this patient. Yeah. And then equally, yeah. when your repeat patient comes in, 
that same software is able to pick up existing yeah. filler. Now I did um, fillers today for a patient who hadn't seen for a year yeah. and we scanned over the cheeks and the lateral projection just over the apex of the cheek, guess what? She had pockets of filler there. So yeah. do we need to put filler there? No, but we need to put it before yeah. and after. And you know, without ultrasound. Yeah, I had, I had the very same issue um, over the last few days. Actually tomorrow I've got a patient with a complication from elsewhere who's had a filler in the cheek. And what happened was um, she had inflammation apparently, I'm seeing her tomorrow. And she mentioned there was some swelling there a few months after the cheek filler was injected. Other side was fine, but one side there was a problem. And she went back to the practitioner Practitioner thought it's probably filler that's not in the right place. There's some issue with the filler. We'll dissolve it. So carried out dissolution with high hyaluronidase and um, some improvement, I think. But it still wasn't completely clear. There were still uh, areas where of inflammation, redness, soreness. And it comes and goes, she said. And I'm going to be doing an ultrasound scan on her tomorrow uh, when she comes in and I'll be able to see if there's filler and where it may be. Because what I think might have happened with this particular patient, there may have been formation of a biofilm, a little area around the filler that may be caused by infection, there might be some of the reasons for biofilm formation. And the problem is you can't dissolve a filler completely when it's it's encapsulated by, with by material. So how, long, how, long has she had, how long has she had the problem for? I think it's been a number of months now. I'll, have yeah, to, I'll see, be finding out. This is the thing. This is the thing. So what I've, I mean, look, we're, we're very open here. I've had, um, I've had a recent case where the breakdown of filler caused an immune mediated reaction. Now, if we'd yeah. left that, she would have had a granuloma. But the yeah. fact is, in fact, I've got, I've got the picture here. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you can see that. So the top picture is, can you see that, Viv? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can so see the top, there is. So yeah. this, is, this is on the lower jaw. Um, the top picture is basically a well-circumscribed area, which is basically the hard palpable mass, which yeah. is only, you know, literally a week old. But this, the second picture, I hope you can see that. You can yeah. see that it's a lot less. Yeah. Um, it's less well-circumscribed and actually it's more in keeping with um with muscle that's there so actually yeah you know we caught that within a week the yeah. patient was able to come in it was over a, a two-week period what we did is we we prescribed um steroids yeah. to help reduce the immune mediated reaction and then we dissolved twice over yeah. over state a very staged and precise um yeah. process but yeah. exactly that you know you're gonna you know, you're going to ultrasound it, you're going to see something similar, probably, but probably even more well circumscribed yeah. into the granuloma. And then, you know, then you're going to, you'll be able to probably do ultrasound guided um, yeah. treatment. But the, the question is, this is for any patients watching as well, or um, practitioners, you know, don't be afraid of, of going and checking in. It's yeah. sometimes it's better just to check in, you know, as practitioners, we'll take that call and it will be like, well, could it be something else? But, you know, we, we all read the consent form when we sign it and it does say in there that delayed reactions can occur months later. Yeah. It all depends yeah. when that filler is breaking down. We just don't really fully understand how hyaluronic acid acts it's, in vivo. It, it brings us on to the, 
to the next little part of, of, our, uh, of, of our live tonight. It's looking forward to the practitioners who we will be speaking to yes. over the next few yes. weeks, actually, Sonny. Um, I'll, go, I'll, I'll go through, we've got about five, we've got four of them and there's ourselves as well. But we've got um, Dr. Barbara Pader, who's coming up. Uh, next week and she's um, a cosmetic doctor in Poland she does a lot of uh, training work she uses ultrasound and she does lots of work with patients herself so it's going to be interesting speaking to Barbara next week uh, we've also got um, a doctor based in Argentina Dr Patricia Pereira who's a dermatologist and she's only recently started using ultrasound and it's, it shows what small world this is, Sonny, because um, I, she follows me and I follow her on Instagram. And she also uh, uses CMAC, uh, the Complications Collaborative that we're both members of in the UK. And she posted uh, about a week ago, she posted some photos of a lip treatment that she carried out for a patient. But she wasn't sure if there was a possible blockage of vascular occlusion because of the discoloration in the lip tissue. So um, I messaged her just to say what I thought, looking at the photos. And uh, Steve Weiner was there as well. He posted on the yeah, CMAC. Yeah, I saw this press. Yeah, it was really good. It was really good. It was interesting to hear different views of the subject. But afterwards, like a few hours later, I had a message from Carolina Marie-Lewis in Argentina. And she said, Viv, 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 um, can I just ask you a few questions about the clarice and connecting, connecting it up to do a, a, a live uh, connection between two practitioners? And I said, yeah, yeah. It's not to do with a practitioner in uh, Argentina called Patricia Barrera, is it? She said, yes, it is. And so I was speaking to both of them about the same problem and they managed to actually sort it out quite quite quickly. Um, but we'll be speaking to her in a couple of weeks time about the whole case that she was involved with, involving lip filler treatment and using ultrasound to assess a problem before the potential need to treat it. So that's going to be an interesting uh, evening um, doing the live with her, I think. We've also, sorry, Sonny, what we say? No, no, go on, go on, because I've got a question from someone, Dave, uh, on that on that note. But go, finish, finish the... Uh, finish finish the off, yeah. Um, so that's Patricia. Week after, we've got uh, a lovely doctor called Olga Liplavik, I think she's called, and she is a PhD student at... Um, I think it's at Rotterdam. I think she works with Leone, Dr. Leone Schalke, at yeah, Erasmus. Netherlands. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's Netherlands. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. So yeah. she's doing a PhD looking at dermal filler degradation, how it breaks down. So it'll be interesting talking to her about her work also involving ultrasound. Um, we've also got, uh, very, very pleased to have Morbin Master, who's uh, probably the radiology specialist the, the radiology specialist who looks at aesthetic complications, dermal filler, yeah. um, breakdown over many, many years. I think he was one of the first radiologists to assess dermal filler longevity in patients, followed, following them up over a number of years. So he's going to be joining us in a few weeks' time, and he's based in Australia. He's a, a, a radiologist and a doctor and does a lot of aesthetics work as well, so it'll be interesting to speak to him. And also, finally, 
Myself and Sonny, we're both over in London in about uh, three, three to four weeks' time. November the 19th and 20th, we're at the CMAC conference in London, and we'll be joining a lot of the practitioners who we've been speaking to over the last couple of months as well. So it'll be a great, uh, it'll be a great time to spend, and we'll be going out on uh, one of the evenings as well. So we'll hopefully do a live from there when, when we're when we do when we're there. Um, but it's going to be interesting. We'll be speaking to a lot of people, and we'll try and get a live done whilst we're there as well. We've got uh, uh, Dr. Harris watching as well, so that's really nice. Thanks, Dr. Harris, Stephen. We'll see Steve. We'll see Steve whilst we're there as well. Exactly. Um, no, so I think the question was, and we might be for one um, to answer on the download, but I think it was from a practitioner in actually Middle East who's just who's who's been watching us, and she's purchased um, an ultrasound. Um, so I think. She's saying, I can share my Clarius exam and take a decision from an expert, but not sure how to do it. So uh, we'll follow up or Viv, I'll get Viv to follow that message up because um, you've done it, haven't you? Have you, have you done yeah. the thing? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, it can be a bit tricky when you first do it because you have to break your Wi-Fi connection with the device. And it can cause problems when um, you're linked to the device directly. It's a bit of a, a faff around trying to do it, but it does work. Um, but I can, I'll, I'll get in touch and you know, stop that, What That might be actually a good live for us to do in clinic where we can demonstrate um, one of us is scanning um, yeah. and we can do that. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously the demand for it. So we'll, we'll do that for, for, for you guys. Um, Dep uh, depending on, uh, <laughs> on the timing so yeah. um yeah yeah awesome. i think um that's pretty much it i think we've covered what we've been doing we're covering what we're going to do um and we'll be continuing with different practitioners we'll try and maintain a weekly live session every thursday um but it's been interesting we've been doing it for um, six months now and we've regularly been going through the whole idea of using ultrasound in aesthetics so i think hopefully um, viewers will be enjoying it and hopefully they'll enjoy what's to come in future as well i never know with instagram because people i mean obviously lynette um thank you so much lynette you, you always watch and, and give us encouragement um and obviously dr harris as well and dr jose thank you um yeah. i gotta give a shout out to um angelica who's our account rep from get harley who also have a vested interest in making sure that, you know, as practitioners, we're offering the best in terms of skincare. Um, little plug there for you, Get Harley. Hope that's all right. Um, <laughs> we've got Dr. Natasha, Dr. Natasha Clinics watching as well. Um, yes, yeah, so we've had quite a few people watching. What, and I'm oh, sorry, uh, without, uh, can't not mention, um, uh, uh, well, from Crop England, Jackie. Well, I'll, be, I'll be talking a lot more about CBD over the next month or so. Um, and that's in conjunction with Crop England. But yeah, I mean, I never know when people are watching how long they're actually on for. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but yeah, no, good. Viv, I, I've enjoyed it. You know, the future of aesthetic ultrasound. Any Phillips are watching or Clarius, you know, you heard it here first. All we want is a better, we just want improvement and innovation. It's yeah. all about being, um, about furthering the industry, basically, and pay an outcome. Okay. As I was saying, I, I was talking to um, I was talking to Clarice a few weeks back. I was in a video chat with their uh, developers, the artificial intelligence developers, and they showed me their idea of of using artificial intelligence 
augmentation, you know, similar to what I've been doing it, but doing it, doing it in an AI system. And I was looking at it and I showed them what I'd done. And I think they were in a bit of shock after I showed them what was possible. So I think they, there's a long way to go before there's going to be good improvement in what's what's available to practitioners in the future. But it, it, it will happen. It's just a question of time. It needs testing. They need practitioners to be able to provide data to them. So one of the things that I spoke to them about was the need to, to have practitioners provide data from their scans, which is which forms um, a database, you know, that will be used by artificial intelligence but I think, system. I think that's where, that, that's where we said for, from the first principle is that we yeah. need, as practitioners, to be actually taking good images. Like you said, you've yeah. got some rubbish images. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not trained sonographers. Uh, we're yeah. doing this as fast a pace as we can, but that's good. Viv, I think we've, we've spoken at length. We don't want to make this live too long, yeah. otherwise people won't watch it to the end. <laughs> Well, it's nice catching up again, Sonny, yeah, and um, we'll catch up next week, next uh, Thursday evening at 8.30. We've got Dr. Barbara Pader from Poland, and we'll enjoy a good chat with her about ultrasound anaesthetics. So thanks again, Sonny, and um, I'll catch you next Thursday evening again. Yeah, speak to you soon. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Good night. Bye-bye. Yeah. Thanks a lot. See ya.